With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we begin today's episode of Potterless, I just wanted to thank everyone for being so great about Potterless on the internet. <laughs> Let me explain. So first off, a lot of people have been interacting with me on Twitter and Facebook, which has been great. It's been a lot of fun. I love talking with you guys. Feel free to reach out. It's super fun and I love doing it. But also, people have been amazing about leaving reviews on iTunes and Facebook, which helps with our search engine optimization, which I learned is a thing. Apparently, if we're more highly rated on iTunes and stuff, if people just search Harry Potter podcast, Potterless is more likely to come up, which I think is great if someone is looking for a new Harry Potter podcast and and we show up because I'd like to think that we're a unique take on the series and I would love more people to find it. So if you guys don't mind, if you want to leave us a little review on iTunes, that'd be great, especially if you want to give it a high rating. If you would potentially rate it one star, maybe don't do it. But anyway, I really do appreciate all the support. Speaking of support, we have two new Patreon supporters, which is fantastic. Colette Horsberg and Christopher Smith. Thank you guys so much. And as always, I want to thank our producer-level patrons, Griffin Meckelberg, Leanne Davis, and Michael Baloff, my old basketball coach, who is one of the greatest human beings ever. And I just love that I get to say my old high school basketball coach is supporting the podcast. So without further ado, let's get into the intense chapters 17 and 18. You know it's intense when we only talk about two chapters in an episode, guest starring Julia Shafini of Spirits Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 24-year-old man reading the Harry Potter novels for the first time. I am excited to bring you this episode because it is the most twisting plot mess ever, and I'm really excited for it. And I'm joined by none other than Julia Shafini of the Spirits Podcast. Julia, how are you? I'm pretty good, and you got my name right, so I'm super excited about that. <laughs> oh, nice. I really try to make sure I can pronounce everyone's name right. I was definitely super nervous when I did the first episode with Amanda to make sure it was actually McLaughlin and not some <laughs> other pronunciation. So I try to get people's names right, because it's you your name. It. It's important a little. Mm-hmm. So for everyone who does not know Julia, uh, is co-hosts with Amanda, who was on previous episodes of Spirits Podcast, which is an awesome little podcast about different myths and legends. And currently we're recording this on Halloween. Yes. The day before, day before Halloween, before, but basically yeah. Halloween because it's the weekend. <laughs> and they've been doing super fun Halloween episodes. Yeah. By the time I post this, it will be not October. But Spirits Podcast is fantastic. It's a really <laughs> good time. You may catch me on there in the future. So I would say yes, check please. out for sure. But let's get into... The ending chapters from chapter 17 till the end of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, a.k.a. like M. Night Shyamalan Twist Central. <laughs> it's it's a lot of really convoluted plotting, but yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really exciting. So let's just get right, right into it because there's so much that's happening. So chapter 17 is titled Cat, Rat, and Dog. And basically it starts off with Scabbers freaking the hell out, trying to break free 
from Ron's grasp as much as possible. The squad is like running away from the quote unquote death of Buckbeak. And they're trying to, you know, make sure that they are not seen in the invisibility cloak. Which doesn't work very well in their favor. <laughs> no, it usually doesn't. Usually anytime they're trying to do something, it never works. They're like, oh, we need to like do this thing. And then it's always the opposite. <laughs> it never works out as planned. As they're running away, Harry sees Crookshanks, which is bad news because Crookshanks hates Scabbers. And Scabbers is already making a scene. Ron finally gets Scabbers back. But as he does, like he gets him under control, they see a giant black dog running towards them, which of course scares Harry because of the whole, the grim situation. Mm -hmm. Not only did they just see the dog, but the dog decides to attack them, like tackle Harry, bite Ron on the arm and like drag him away, like by his feet. Yeah. Breaks his leg too. Yes. Straight up breaks his leg. Yeah. He like brings him over. No, I mean, that's more Ron's fault. Like Ron tries to hook his leg to one of the roots and the dog's just like, nah, Uh not having it. Yeah. (laughs) The dog's like, come on, get out of here. Don't you know who I am? I'm serious black, the dog. But yeah, it gets like super intense. He, uh, the dog drags Ron over to the Whomping Willow and he like wraps his leg around the tree branch, like a root of it. And then the dog is like, nice try and just pulls him so hard that his leg breaks. God. I guess like it's okay if you break limbs in Harry Potter world because Madame Pomfrey can literally just say like Accio leg fix or that's, whatever. Yes, that's the, that's the spell right there. <laughs> <laughs> or they can use Skelligrow, which is the worst named potion ever. Oh, God. You don't need casts or anything. So when people like break body parts, Everyone's like, eh, whatever. Just go to Madame Pomfrey. She's got this. Yeah, she'll just be sassy and fix your body and then, you know, yell at anyone that tries to enter the hospital. Yeah, dude, she's like real strict. She reminds me of uh, Catholic school nuns a little bit. Oh, for sure. 100%. (laughs) Just like angry, let me do my job, you're all getting in the way kind of situation. Yeah, totally. It's definitely... It's definitely a running motif of Madame Pomfrey kicking people out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. Because, like, every time Harry gets injured during Quidditch, which happens multiple times, like, the team tries to, like, stay in the hospital and support him. Which is, like, a normal thing, but she's like, everyone get out. And then later in the book, this time when it happens, it's like, there's a lot of important things happening around Hogwarts. And, like, they're trying to figure out, like, if this convicted murderer is innocent or not. Mm -hmm. And then Dumbledore and Snape and Fudge are, like, trying to figure out, like, this very important thing before a man is murdered. And Madame Pomfrey's like, everyone get out. It's like, Madame Pomfrey, like, he's going to be okay. Like, you literally do magic to make sure Harry's going to be fine. I think it's okay if Dumbledore, the most important person in the world, talks to Harry. Like, I feel like it's all right. Yeah. I, she she takes her task very seriously. Yeah. She is very good at what she does, though. So you yeah. got to give her props. I mean, she, remember the whole uh, basilisk paralyzing everyone kind of yeah. thing? She took that very seriously. Yeah, she did. She did a good job. It's funny that, like, she's technically a school nurse at Hogwarts. But, like, with the, with the frequency of how often she, like, heals people and saves people's lives, she's, like, basically, like, the head surgeon. Of Arguably the most, the most talented person at Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the top doctor in the wizarding world. It's like, okay, like the prize med school position. Hogwarts doctor. Nurse at Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they go over to the tree. The Whomping Willow is in full force. It's smacking people. As it started doing this, I was like, what is the point? of this fucking tree. (laughs) And then finally they say it later. But for like three books, I've been like, this tree only creates problems and hurts people and breaks things. What is the deal with this dumbass tree? (laughs) (laughs) Why does it, what is its purpose? You learn later. But basically Crookshanks goes up to the tree and then touches a root and just makes it stop. 
all the kids are very confused. Can we talk about for one second just how useless Hermione is in that scene too? Like Hermione yep. is usually the uh, like Deuces Machina for the Harry Potter series. If something is going wrong, wrong. If something's going wrong or wrong, um, <laughs> I mean, Hermione is the one to fix it. Um, yeah. But in this scene, she's just like kind of hopping around. She's like, I don't know what to do, guys. I don't know what to do. Until Crookshanks just pops in. Puts and the paw saves the on day. The root. Yeah. yeah, with Crookshanks knowing so much, I was expecting Crookshanks to also be an animagi person, but then it's I just wish. like a really smart cat. <laughs> like I was trying to guess, I was like, which character have I not met yet that I know is important later in the books that like Crookshanks could be? Because he's doing a lot of things for just a cat. But yeah, I'm surprised. So the that Hermione- interesting thing, sorry, I'm oh, no, sorry, no. I don't want to pick Continue. up. The interesting thing with uh, Crookshanks is uh, J.K. Rowling revealed in a later book that uh, Crookshanks is actually part Neasel, which is this weird uh, cat demon thing that some wizards keep as pets. So they're supposed to be super intelligent and very conniving. So Crookshanks is the half conniving evil cat. Okay. I guess that (laughs) makes more sense than just a really smart house cat. (laughs) <laughs> Super uh, smart house yeah, cat. I was surprised that Hermione didn't know the whole Wombing Willow touch root thing because she knows like literally everything. I feel like she would have been the one to be like, hey, if you touch this root, but maybe it's a secret on purpose. Yeah, I guess it's not common knowledge, so Hermione mm-hmm. wouldn't know it. You know, she's taken 300 classes and you would think <laughs> that she could learn something about a damn tree. Damn it, Hermione. <laughs> they enter a secret passageway through the bottom of the trunk of the tree that the Marauders map mentions goes to Hogsmeade. Mm-hmm. They go down and it's a slide again. Again, which is like a very common thing in Harry Potter. Just like every secret passageway is also a slide. I'm just wondering how they get back up it. Like, yeah, without like they have falling to falling down the on their face. Really tight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or there's someone put a rope in or something. But yeah, everything <laughs> is a slide. So it goes into some rundown room. And Hermione's like, oh, I think we're in the Shrieking Shack. And at first, I had to look it up because I was like, what is the Shrieking Shack? I was actually, I was actually talking to my girlfriend about it while I was reading it. And I was like, mm-hmm. what is the Shrieking Shack? She was like, oh, it's that... You know, it's that haunted house that they described earlier with the whole Malfoy mud face situation. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's why they described a random building for two pages. (laughs) I mean, not inaccurate. Originally, when I was reading it, I was like, okay, cool. Why are we talking about this haunted house for two pages? I was like, this is so silly and obnoxious. J.K. Rowling really wanted to give you the ambiance of Hogsmeade. It's like uh, (laughs) William Golding just described sunsets for three pages in uh, in Lord of the Flies. Oh man, yeah. So uh, now it all makes sense, and I'm and then there's other things that like she described at length towards the end of the book that I think are going to have to have to come into effect later. Dumbledore goes on for like six lines about how it's like it's okay that you let Pettigrew go, Harry. I think this will come and be good in the future. And I'm like, okay, so in book seven, <laughs> Pettigrew might like you know give you give away Voldemort's secret location, but he's not going to be good for like four more books. <laughs> right, I feel that. Oh man, so they think they're in the Shrieking Shack. They go upstairs to a room because they hear Ron and Crookshanks in there. And once they get inside, Ron is like, it's a trap. And right after he says it, (laughs) the door slams and Sirius Black is there. And he's the black dog, but you learn he's an animagus, which means, you know, he's an animorph, basically. He can turn into animals (laughs) willy-nilly whenever he wants. So he's the black dog that Harry's been seeing all this time. Have you talked about uh, the significance of the black dog in mythology yet? Because no, I'm totally going to oh, get perfect. in on that. I would love to hear your take on it. In um, Celtic and I think some English mythology, there is this uh, 
demon dog, basically. Okay. Uh, if you would see it on the moors of Scotland and stuff like that, and if you saw it, it would mean that you would have death either in your family or yourself in the year following. Okay. So the Grim is a thing. It just has a really weird Scottish name that I can't remember right now. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's an actual thing that J.K. Rowling took from uh, Scottish mythology, and it's super, super cool. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. This book has made me like J.K. a lot more. Like, the first two mm-hmm. books, I was kind of like, okay, whatever. But, like, now I'm starting to understand because the ending of this mm-hmm. book is just, like, really solid. So right. no, now I'm starting to legit. like understand the hype. She really, it took her like, I think it took her two books, but now she's like really coming to her own. All right, good. This is arguably the best book. So yeah, that's I can see why when I was asking people about the podcast and when I try to get guests on, I always ask like, what's your favorite book? Like literally everyone was like, it's either Azkaban or Half-Blood Prince is like what everybody says. That's so fair. I'm, I'm excited. Also, everyone says the fifth book is terrible. So I don't agree with that. Okay, I have good. issues with the fifth book because of certain things that happen in it. Okay. But as a whole, I like it as a book. Yeah, I've heard other people say they like it a lot. The fourth is my least favorite because it's like the sports book, and I'm not super into that. <laughs> that's why it was my favorite. I only saw the first four movies, and that's why it was my favorite because it was the sports movie. That's fair. You'll soon hear when you listen to all these episodes, but I rant about Quidditch in every episode about how oh, it's the course. worst because I'm really passionate about sports, and it doesn't function as a sport. It just doesn't You don't get work. any Quidditch in our chapters, though, so you I don't know. have to this rant about gonna it be a, I'm going to be so happy during this episode. It's going to be great. I'm not going to be angry at anything. <laughs> so, so basically, Harry's super angsty at this point, and he wants to kill Sirius Black. Ron uh, tries to go all defense mode and like stands in front of Harry when Sirius Ron starts to confront him. Ron keeps up with this broken leg like a fucking yeah. idiot. <laughs> he really does. He just keeps trying to stand up. It's like Ron, your leg is broken. Just like I counted it at least three times in this one <laughs> chapter. Yes, it is at least three. I'm pretty sure I wrote it too somewhere in my notes. I have something like Ron keeps trying to stand up like Sit an idiot. Sit the fuck down, Ron. <laughs> uh, so he's like, you'll have to kill us all if you want to get to Harry. And Sirius says, there's only one murder that should p- take place tonight. Which is just, come on, Sirius. Don't be melodramatic. You escaped from prison. Like, don't do this to yourself. <laughs> like, I knew from the movies that Sirius is innocent. And the whole time this whole confrontation was going on where Sirius, like, continues to be creepy, I was like, dude, all of these people think that you're going to murder people and that you're not nice. I think you should probably be like, hey, wait, 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 guys, 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 I'm innocent, I'm innocent. Let me explain what's going on. Rather than like every line was like, blah, 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 he said with a grimace or like, blah, 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 he said with a smirk. It's like, serious, come on, cut the shit. J.K. Rowling like really didn't want you to know that he was a good guy until that That real big reveal. the very end, yeah. She really wanted to make sure this plot twist was a huge plot twist. I think it's because she wanted to make Harry's anger legitimate. And we're kind of seeing the story from Harry's perspective. So of course, like if he smiles, it looks like a grimace. After Sirius mentions though, there should only be one murder that takes place. Harry's like, oh yeah, what about the 13 muggles you killed. Did Azkaban make you soft? So Harry, the 13-year-old kid, is talking <laughs> shit to a person who allegedly murdered 15 people in one night. Harry just, like, doesn't give a fuck he at really this point. He really doesn't. He doesn't care about anyone or anything. He's a sassy bitch. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> there's, a, there's a line when they first go into the Shrieking Shack where they're looking at all the destroyed furniture and stuff, and Harry goes, ghost did do this. No fucking shit, Harry. <laughs> Uh, he's just so he's angsty. Sassy bastard. It's really good. 
Hermione <sighs> jumps in and tries to stop Harry, and he's like, leave me alone, he killed my mom and dad. Harry runs and tackles Black, which takes Sirius Black by so much surprise that he, like, doesn't defend it, which is great. Like, Sirius Black is not expecting it. A bunch of just start beating him up, <laughs> like, with their fists, and, like, a dude with a broken leg starts kicking him. Uh. What is happening in this situation? <laughs> you have a wand, dude. Yeah, I was gonna say, they're all wizards. They could have done something, but no, they're like, let's just gang up on this dude. So there's a giant scuffle. Everyone's punching Sirius Black, including Crookshanks, who's in yes. on it. Harry breaks free and gets his wand. So they didn't use their wands because I think Sirius used Expelliarmus once they got in. That's true. I think that was okay. it. Okay, so they were like, let's beat him up. So Harry breaks free, gets his wand, and he holds Sirius at like wand point, I'm assuming, is what you yeah. call gunpoint with wands. And Sirius is like, oh, if you only knew the whole story, which is still so <laughs> melodramatic. It's like, dude, just get on with it. You're about to be murdered and you're still trying to like come up with cool lines. Just tell him the truth. You're too much of a cool guy, Sirius. We can't deal with this right now. I mean, he's Gary Oldman, yeah. so he's pretty cool. <laughs> Gary Oldman in the movie, though, those cackles and stuff, he did a real good job. I'm really excited to watch the movie now that I've read know all what's the going on. <laughs> I also have no idea who plays Lupin or what Lupin looks like, so I'm really interested because with a lot of the characters, like I know the actor that plays them, so when I see Snape, mm-hmm. I just see Alan Rickman, and when I see Dumbledore, I just see uh, the guy who played Dumbledore, and then the other guy who played Dumbledore. <laughs> it was going to be number one <laughs> or number two. <laughs> so that it's nice for me to have a character that I don't think of the actor. That's like the I'm one curious thing I how you like picture him from the book, then, just from the description in the book. Yeah, I feel like Lupin. I'm imagining like an old, like a super old dude. I feel like he has like long hair that he kind of like slicks back, but it's not necessarily because of gel. It's like mostly because it's greasy. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's what I'm imagining. I don't know. But uh, we'll have to see. All I know is that Lupin's the best, and I'm so sad that he's going away. <laughs> he's too, yes. He was too good for this world. So oh, Crookshanks jumps onto Sirius Black. Harry's ready to kill him. And a voice inside Harry's head says, do it now, which is clearly Voldemort. And there is no other I actually no didn't even think of that, all right? Oh, that's what I totally I just remember thinking think Harry is. is like, I'm going to kill him. I'm like, you don't even know how to do that, bro. <laughs> that was my second thought. Was, Dude, do you know about a cadaver or were you just going to be like expecto patronum on Sirius He's Black? 13 and that doesn't happen till later. <laughs> that's my, my long shot because there's always this weird thing where they're like, is Harry evil? Where they try to throw in the whole Slytherin thing and all this like parcel tongue bullshit. But I don't know. I don't know. My guess is Voldemort. That's a fair guess. <laughs> That's just my guess for any like creepy voice. <laughs> Pretty just, much. Like, Voldemort, clearly. I mean, you had a whole story in uh, Chamber of Secrets where it was a dude talking through a diary yeah. to be creepy. Yeah, so anything is possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they hear footsteps. They start to yell for help. And it's Lupin, which is nice. Lupin comes in. And he's like, where is he? And Sirius Black points at Ron. <laughs> Ron's like, what? It's like, what the heck did I do? I'm not important. I'm just Ron Weasley. Uh, so my thought is that this has to be Pettigrew's the rat, which I've known the whole time because of the movie. So Lupin then That's says fair. where he points to Ron and he's like, what? Unless you switched without telling me, which again, super ominous. Just be honest with everyone right now. Please. <laughs> Lupin goes in and hugs Sirius Black and all the kids are like, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. And Lupin's like, I didn't tell anyone that I've been covering up for you, says Hermione. Another like plot twists are just rolling in. <laughs> yeah, it's just like plot. 
plot twist after plot twist. First off, Sirius Black says he's innocent. Then Lupin comes in and needs something from Ron, apparently, which is the whole pedigree thing. And then you find out Lupin's like friends with Sirius Black. Then you find out that Hermione's been covering for Lupin. It's like one paragraph with like four plot twists in it. It's absurd. I, I imagine it as the uh, scene in Rocky Horror where everyone is just yelling each other's names. Oh, definitely. <laughs> that kind of chaos. Yeah, that or in Reservoir Dogs where like it's the Mexican standoff and everyone's at gunpoint, but instead of guns, it's plot twists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hermione says that Lupin has been helping Black get in and that he's a werewolf, so double plot twist. That's also, it's super racist of Hermione. She's like, don't trust him. He's a werewolf. I'm like, Hermione, no. He's yeah. so much better than this normally. <laughs> it like goes on throughout the whole end of the book that like werewolves can't be trusted, but they never say why. They're just regular human beings who turn into wolves. Yeah, I guess they understand the whole like they turn into wolves thing at night, but like if you're a werewolf and you're a grown ass man and you've been a werewolf for a good chunk of your life, you will understand that you will take the necessary precautions, which Lupin did as a teacher. No one is in danger. The only reason that there was any issue on this particular night where he turns into a werewolf is because he's trying to like save people's lives And he had to, like, rush out before he could take a potion. That Snape was late to give him, too. Yeah. All this thing where it's like, oh, you can't trust werewolves. You're right. It seems, like, strangely racist. Where it's just like, oh, he's a werewolf. Clearly not fit to be a teacher. It's like, hold on. (laughs) He seems like the only good teacher that they've had besides McGonagall. That's the other thing I don't understand is, like, Hogwarts is, like, the only wizarding school. And they have a lot of really bad professors. Snape yeah. takes grudges with all of his students. And I mean, plays. he's not a bad teacher. He's just, well, he's not bad at his subject. He's yeah. just a bad human being. Yeah, but he's supposed to be good, apparently. Eventually, there's going to be the whole big turn where Snape, you know, kills Dumbledore and then is a good guy and then says <laughs> always and is like, I um, really liked your mom, Harry. This is all I know about Snape. But just I know that he turns good. And I just don't, I don't see it. I don't, but it's going to happen. We'll I know it is because he's played by Alan Rickman. How can you not be good? You can't make a bad guy, Alan Rickman. Come on. Um, except for in Die Hard. Oh, I haven't seen Hans Die Hard. Hans Gruber. <laughs> Hans Gruber. He's the bad guy in Die Hard. I got to see it. I've only seen Galaxy Quest and Harry Potter movies, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, he's just a god. So Lupin clarifies that he hasn't been helping Sirius or wanting Harry dead, but he's like, but... I am a werewolf. <laughs> yeah, he's like, one for three, Hermione, not so great. <laughs> yeah, it's like a super casual thing where he's just like, well, you were wrong, except for that whole werewolf thing. Props. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, well, how long have you known? And Hermione was like, oh, I've known since Snape made us research werewolves in depth. And it was like, Fuck oh, you, Snape. <laughs> that makes sense. Lupin says that Snape did that on purpose so that people could find out and, you know, Clearly it worked. Then you learn later why, because Snape hates Lupin a lot. My note at the end of this all caps was this explains so much. Like all of these things, everything has been explained in one giant standoff. Yeah, you get more Snape grudge background later on in the books too. So it gets real good, but this is the first taste of it. Yeah, the Snape grudge, which just like continues to build like more and more. I'm glad that there was much more explaining this time. Mm -hmm. He seems like just this like nerd that got picked on. And just, like, took it way too far in, like, hating his bullies. Because from all the dis- the descriptions of these four dudes, like, they don't seem like the worst people. But yeah. I don't know. He took this one trick, like, really badly, and it's, like, shaping his entire life now. <laughs> and also, Lupin, I think, also at one point, he's like, oh, he didn't like James. He was jealous of his Quidditch play. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I 
don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't it was the thing. whole like people trying to get him murdered by a werewolf thing. Like that seems like enough for him to be upset. I'd be pissed about that too. <laughs> I, I still have grudges from people in high school. So yeah, but I'm no not one tried to, to have you, like mauled by a rabid animal. So that's true. <laughs> I hold grudges without that. So I'm worse. <laughs> yeah. So if someone had done that, who knows? Maybe you'd like <laughs> hate their children and like want their kid to like get detention a lot or something. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Sounds about right. <laughs> uh, so then Lupin goes on. He's like, did you notice I was always sick on the full moon and that the boggart was the moon? And that I literally closed the book at this point because it, the most <laughs> ominous of all the things that J.K. Rowling was that was that Lupin's thing that he feared the most from the boggart was a silvery orb. And I had two thoughts of this. First off, I was like, whoa, that's really good. And second, I was like, Okay, the moon is not a silvery orb. Harry's also a really bad narrator. Like, <laughs> Harry's perspective is terrible. He'd be like, that looks like a balloon. You're like, no, Harry, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, oh, it's my dad. And I was like, no, that's you doing that. You, you're like, don't, come on. <laughs> Fucking so, dumbass. The silvery orb thing, I was, I was griping about this because I was like, the moon has craters and is the moon. But my, I was, I was talking to my girlfriend about it and she, she, she made the good claim that like the thing that he would fear is like the sight of a full moon and from the ground like it looks just like a glowing orb yeah. when you look at the moon it's bright enough on a full moon where it doesn't necessarily look like the moon itself just like you can't see the fire coming out of the sun but you see the glowing yeah, exactly sun. yeah so i i like understand that aspect but that being said, when you say silvery orb, I was imagining just like literally a chrome sphere floating through the air. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Thi like, this could be so many things. I'm so confused. And then it was like, oh, it was the moon. What does Harry think it is? It's Does he think it's a crystal ball or something? And then he had no in the idea. It just said okay. the two or three times you see it, it just says silvery orb. That's literally it. And it was the same okay. depiction every single time because I've noted in my notes every single time. I was like, what is this silvery orb? Like it was so heavy handed ominous that it you was have, you're like, I need to know what it is right now. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, this is something. I had no idea what it was, but Moon was not on the short list of things. Well, there you go. I, I'm glad you're still surprised by stuff even after seeing the movies. Yeah, so that's, that's why I'm really excited to get past the fourth book because I know like vaguely what happens in five, but six and seven, I know literally nothing. So I'm Good. really excited to see all the major plot twists. So I'm glad that I don't know everything. So then things will come up. One thing I don't know, which I wrote in my notes, I don't know who Bellatrix is. I know she exists. And I was trying to figure out who Crookshanks is as a human. And I was like, it's Crookshanks Bellatrix. Because I was like, this is the only like major character whose name I haven't heard yet in the book. But it just turns out Crookshanks is a really smart cat. So Hermione says she noticed both things when he was like, did you notice I was sick? Or of course because my barger was the moon? She's like, I noticed both. <laughs> like, yeah, bitch. You, yeah. you checked both those things off the list. And I was really, really not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Lupin says that uh, all the staff knows about the werewolf thing and he just wants to explain himself. So he gives the wands back and is like, now do you think I'm going to just be chill about this? And they're like, okay, fine. Lupin says he found them using the Marauders map and he also reveals that he helped make it, which this is something I did not see coming at all. So he mentions the whole nickname thing. So he Can says- Can we talk about how terrible those nicknames are for a second? Yeah, pretty Because they're so bad. They're just The nicknames awful. are, it's Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, foot and prongs so mooney is his nickname because he was a werewolf so like the moon 
lame. So dumb. Padfoot, which apparently is a dog. I've never referred to. dogs have pads on their feet. I would never refer to that at, at all. And then nah, Wormtail. Okay. He's a rat, but his tail looks like a worm. So he's a worm tail. Because rats have bald tails, I guess. And then Harry's dad is a deer, so it's prongs. Prongs, I was like, what is he, a fork? Is he some sort of kitchen utensil? It's like, no, he's a stag. (laughs) Also, (laughs) I knew Harry's Patronus was, I thought it was a deer the whole time, and it turns out it's like a male deer. It's still kind of (laughs) lame. It's still pretty lame. I think there's a whole, like, animal guardian aspect that J.K. Rowling really dug into when she was doing research for the Patronuses, uh-huh. but I s- still think that's a super dumb one. Yeah, I feel like you should have something more intimidating, like a freaking lion or something yeah. scary. Oh, it's a it's a, it's a a dad deer with a lot of horns. Mm, he's so majestic. It can ram stuff, I guess. Yeah, what is, a ram would be way better. It'd be so much more intimidating. Someone has a ram later on in the series. Nice. I hope it's... It's super late in the series, so... I'm going to guess it's uh, Luna Lovegood. I don't know. I'm going to tell you it's a character you haven't met yet. That's so. why I'm guessing it's Luna Lovegood. I haven't it's met her It's not yet. Luna Lovegood. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, maybe it's Cho Chang because we've only kind of met her. We know that she has a pretty face and it sucks at quitting. <laughs> Poor Cho Chang. If that's her only legacy, I feel so bad for that girl. It's okay. She's the only person you ever meet from Ravenclaw, so, you know, she's important. Well, Gilderoy Lockhart, but you don't know that. Well, Gil- wait, Gilderoy Lockhart was from yep. Ravenclaw? Ravenclaw. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. He's so stupid. He's smart enough to trick all those people into thinking he's super smart. I so. feel like that would be cunning, though. I feel like that would be Slytherin. Yeah. He ah, probably argued against he it. Sucks. Whatever. I really don't like him. I'm so glad he's not coming back ever. I hope he never comes back into play. Yeah. Because he's so bad. So he says that he helped create the map. He says he knew about the cloak because James used it all the time. He says he saw the kids on the map and he saw them with someone else. Obviously, this has to be Pettigrew, but they're not saying it. Lupin asks to see the rat. Obviously, Pettigrew, but they're not saying it. Ron asks, what does he have to do with it? And then Lupin says, everything which is so (laughs) good so good oh my god God. some of the lines in the end were fantastic but i think that was my favorite Mm -hmm. the super calculated one word answer that tells so much oh incredible (laughs) everything everything i feel like the delivery isn't as good as you just did it in the movie oh man i was really expecting like cheesy like turn and then (laughs) In my mind, it would be like dramatic zoom in on the face, but like turn and then be like everything. <laughs> uh, man. So Black reveals that he is an animagus and that the rat is an animagus by the name of Peter Pettigrew. End scene. What? Yeah. This, this latter half of the book also has a really good like every chapter ending on a blah. Like every chapter ends on the beginning note from Law and Order at SVU. Every chapter is like dun dun. And then it moves on to the next page. She was like really into those, I think, in this one. She finally hit her stride. So she's like, every chapter at the end should be very dramatic. Yeah, because it's really good. Small I like children they, are reading I like this. I when they do that because I, I alternate between reading this book and then listening to it on the audiobook if I'm like at work or doing laundry or something. And I really like when audiobooks have chapters that end on big notes because then they like have to wait five seconds so that you know it's the next chapter. So it would be like, he's a rat and his name is Peter Pettigrew. <laughs> Chapter 18. Nobody went out. It's so good. Hey, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors who make this show possible. 
This episode of Potter List is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is slash Bucks right there. Wow. Anyways, that's a slash club.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a wild collection card. Send off a four dollar slab pack for a more transparent way. That's a really good sports nerd slash Pokemon nerd. For all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. So, Chapter 18, Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs, the four worst nicknames ever. Terrible. It starts off with the squad being like, what? No way. This isn't Peter Pettigrew. We clearly haven't seen the third movie. So Black just fucking hates Pettigrew. He's saying all these like super creepy and ominous things, which are really bad when they still think Black is just like a murderous rampaging Just trying to kill people. Because he's like, I want to commit the murder I was imprisoned for. Oh, so dramatic, dude. But also really good. It mm. was a really good one. <laughs> so Ron, this this was my note about Ron trying to get up. I said, quote, Ron tries to get up for the 54th time, but can't because his <laughs> leg is broken. <laughs> Sit down, Ron. Uh, he, he like literally he gets up in that scene to walk out and you're like, where the fuck do you think you're going? No one's going to help you leave in this situation. It's really not going to work. So the squad is basically not buying the story. Hermione notes that Pettigrew is not on the list of registered animagi, which is apparently a thing you have to do. Like you have to become officially registered. Be like, hey guys, I can turn into an animal. And Lupin very conveniently says, well, there are three people who are unregistered and a magi and then starts explaining the entire backstory. Also, so Hermione goes, oh, there were only seven people in this century who became Animega. I'm like, and they all went to Hogwarts? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening in this situation? You know McGonagall is one of them. So it's just, oh God, so irritating. She uses it as a plot point at one point and then it just 
everyone becomes animagi, animagus yep. at the end, or Very however much. you pronounce it. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it either. Uh, it I'm matter. saying magi because I'm thinking like the magi, the magi from Jesus. Just, yeah. I'm hoping they all come with gold, frankincense, and myrrh or something. Yeah. I don't know. But also, if I was a wizard and all they, these kids just become animagi, obviously I'm going to do whatever illegal thing it needs to do to become an animagi because you could oh, become something dope. I don't understand why none of them became birds so they could fly. Well, so the thing is, you don't get to pick what your form oh, is. You it's kind of like okay. your Patronus where it's just, it's based off of your personality and stuff. Like, who would be like, oh yeah, I totally want to be a rat. That seems super uh, okay. cool. Here's the other thing. So Peter Pettigrew is a rat. Mm-hmm. He's a rat. His spirit animal is rat, <laughs> which is yes. very common for person that tells on someone and no one at any point in time, especially Sirius Black, is like, I got an idea. We'll make the rat the guy who's got the secret. He thought that Lupin was a spy. It's like, yeah, clearly it's not the guy whose spirit animal is rat. What if someone's Patronus was like a tattletailer? Like, it's pretty much the same thing. It's like, oh, what's your Patronus? It's like, oh, it's a guy who like tells secrets that you're not supposed to. Huh, I should tell him the secret of my <laughs> best friend. You cool. Let's do that. Oh, uh, it's like no one saw this coming, really. Like, no one at all. I mean, I guess the foresight is not a wizard's specialty. No, clearly not, because no one ever sees any of these plot holes coming. Yeah. No one. No one ever does until it's the end of the school year. Then everyone learns. <laughs> I love that. It's always the end of the school year when shit goes down. <sighs> so then Lupin starts explaining the whole backstory thing. He says he was bitten as a young kid and only recently has there been potion to, to solve this. So Snape's potion has let him keep his consciousness when he turns into a werewolf. He still will turn into a werewolf, but he won't just like completely like bug out and forget what happened. He just becomes a nice wolf and he just stays in his office locked in there until he's not a wolf anymore. It's an adorable image, just, <laughs> just Lupin chilling. in wolf form curled up under his desk. <laughs> so exactly. cute. Yeah, so Lupin says he couldn't go to Hogwarts until Dumbledore was the headmaster uh, because Dumbledore then made arrangements for him, further proving that Dumbledore is just like the best. Literally Just a chill-ass motherfucker. Yeah. He describes that the passageway to the Shrieking Shack is guarded by the Whomping Willow so that no one would be harmed by seeing, you know, him as a werewolf so he wouldn't tear him to death. But the whole no one would be harmed thing, this tree beats the shit out of everything. It's a homicidal tree. Like, couldn't they have just made a secret passageway with a normal normal tree like does it have to be with tree that murders humans or yeah (laughs) i mean i guess they're like well death by tree is better than being bitten by a werewolf so i guess that's cool i would totally rather be bitten by a werewolf because then you become a werewolf well unless you get mauled to death then not so much there's the two options though is like if you're beaten to death by a tree you can't become an evil tree you just die. That's true. But there is the play with werewolves that you just get, you know, you become a werewolf and then you're Taylor Lautner from Twilight and things are great. I guess they're just not into that. I mean, look how racist Hermione was against werewolves earlier on. <laughs> oh, man. So true. They brought Lupin back to the shack before transforming so that he could just be a wolf in peace and howl and tear up an abandoned house or whatever. Lupin says that he only had three friends at Hogwarts, Sirius, Peter, and James. And that the other three illegally became animagi as a form of solidarity. So they would just be like, yo, dude, we'll be animals with you. It's chill. So it took them three years to figure it out. But by their fifth year, they all had become animagi. And they would join Lupin whenever he transformed. Peter would be the rat and scurry around and touch the knot that freezes the Whomping Willow. The others would go through. And then they would just kind of chill in the Shrieking Shack. So 
You reveal that Sirius is Padfoot because of the dog, Peter is Wormtail because of the rat, James is Prongs, and Harry's like, huh, I wonder what Prongs could be. And then gets interrupted immediately when that situation course, happens. Because can't give him any time to figure it out. Gotta immediately have it just like thrown away so that it can be a plot to it later. Save it for a later cl- cliffhanger. Totally yeah, okay. I had it. So Harry begins to ask himself what Prongs could be, but Hermione cuts him off to say that it's very dangerous that they did this. It's like, great, Hermione. Thanks a lot for that stunning piece of commentary. But not the obvious there. Yeah, really, really rough there. So Lupin says he knows and he feels bad because he violated Dumbledore's trust. So that's why all this year he hasn't told Dumbledore that Sirius was an animagist because he said that he would then have to admit that he was wronging Dumbledore behind his back all these years by not telling him what's going on. I feel like this is also how Dumbledore gets all of his followers by doing something nice for them and kind of like blackmailing them into being like, well, I did you that super cool thing that changed your life. So now you owe me like a real big favor. (laughs) It's very true. It's very true. Lupin says Snape has been right not to trust him. And Sirius is really confused. He's like, what? And Lupin's like, oh, Snape is a teacher here now. And Sirius is like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) He mentions that Snape hates Sirius because of the trick that almost killed him, which is the third time that this thing has been mentioned. And Sirius says, you know, serves him right because he was trying to get us expelled. Basically, you find out that Black is the only one that did the trick. And he told Snape how to stop the Whomping Willow and get to the tunnel, which would have meant that Snape would have meant with like fully werewolf mode Lupin, a.k.a. Death by Werewolf. Would not have been good. Could have been terrible. (laughs) So James then ran in and saved him, but Snape saw Lupin at the end of the hallway or whatever, so he knew what was going on and all the stuff. So Dumbledore had to kind of force Snape to be silent about it and not tell anyone. Hermione's like, oh, so that's why Snape doesn't like you? Because he thought you were in on the joke? And then Snape, who's been in the room the whole time, takes off the invisibility cloak and says, that's right, and the end of the (sighs) chapter. Such a dramatic bitch. Why do they got to keep doing this? Just like whips off the invisibility cloak. Hello, (laughs) you son of a bitch. It brings up my favorite movie trope, which is like person that enters the room at the perfect time to say dramatic line. Because I always imagine in those things, like the person is just like behind the door with their ear on the crack of the door. Like, okay, wait, wait for it. Like, what's going to be the big boom? And like, how long was Snape there just like chilling with the invisibility cloak? Like, ha ha ha. I hope they talk about me. I think at one point they hear a creak. Like something creaks and Ron's like, what the fuck was that? And everyone's like, murder in the room. No one cares. (laughs) (laughs) I see. I see. I get it. And that dramatic cliffhanger of a note is how we're going to end this episode. But fear not, because we will be back in two weeks of posting time, but five seconds of recording time, because once we stop, I'm going to keep going and we're going to record the rest of this. But you lovely listeners need to wait two weeks because I need to edit this and everything. But Julia, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. It's my pleasure. It's been great. I'm excited to do the rest of this with you. Gotta get some time traveling hijinks. Yeah. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Right. So crazy. Everyone listening. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to follow Julia on her podcasting adventures, it's Spirits Podcast and it's fantastic and I love it a lot. And it's also a bi-weekly one comes out on Wednesdays. Super good. Is there anything else you want to plug, Julia? Or is that kind of Uh, your main deal? No, that's it. Just come listen to Spirits. We talk about boozy spirits and uh, legends and stuff. (laughs) 
Definitely. That was, a not, a, that was not a good sell of my own podcast. <laughs> okay. but. There's enough words. There's a lots of good sells out there of it. They do a story like that Disney movie Maui that's coming out or already came out by the time this podcast came on. Uh, it's like a happy Disney story. Uh, turns out there's like vagina monsters in it. So the real story, way worse. That's definitely been my favorite episode because it's like, here's a Disney movie. Just kidding. There is literal death by, death vagina. by vagina. Like someone gets murdered by a vagina. So if that yep. isn't a good enough sell for spirits, I don't know what is. <laughs> and that's why we die. <laughs> yes, that's that is why everyone dies now because someone died by vagina and now that was the first death that ever happened according to mythology. But yes, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. If you want to follow along with the podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can rate it as well and that's super awesome and does a whole lot. You can follow us on Twitter at Pod. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world, the wizard on. <laughs> Powderless was created by Mike Schubert, it is hosted by Mike Schubert, it is edited by Mike Schubert, it is produced by Mike Schubert, as well as Leanne Davis, Griffin Meckelberg, and Michael Baloff, whose mothers always let them stay out past curfew when they ask nicely, and the music is by Bettina Campomanes. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. We're also on Twitter and Facebook at facebook.com slash Potterless. And if you want to pledge money to the podcast to support it and help make it a better product, you can go support our Patreon, patreon.com slash Potterless, and you get cool little bonus content. If not, no big deal. But anyway, guys, Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, Wizard On! Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.